Our scripture reading for this morning comes in uh, three different places. To start with uh, Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And then on to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, starting in verse 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And then on to Luke 3, also verses 1 to 9. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judah... Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip the Tetrarch of Are, and Traconius and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Albine, during, during the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the desert. He went into all the country around Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abram as our father. For I tell you, out of these stones God can raise up children for Abram. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's the word of God.
Let's begin with prayer. Lord God, creator of the universe, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that gives us understanding. And we pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would make your word come to life, that you would give us understanding, and also help us to apply, not just to hear your word. Your will be done, and your kingdom come even in these few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I noticed that there's not a clock in the back any longer, so I would advise you to get one or two extra mints ready. <laughs> the delay. Um, and another thing in preparation for our time together in the Word is I would, I would just encourage all of us, if you could, just take that Bible back out that you were looking at as Wayne was reading. Have the Bible nearby. Um, if you have a device, a phone with an app, a Bible app, that's fine too. Uh, just remember that the person behind you can see if you're playing Candy Crush or some other game. But I, I do want us all to be looking at the Word and engaging in the Word together. And part of that too is just I want you to see as, as we walk through the Word, I want you to see it for yourself. And I want you to see the context in which these passages come so that you can help also to even hold me accountable to be able to say what I'm saying about the Word is what you're seeing in front of you as well. So let's just be ready to, to go around from passage to passage a bit. And as we begin, I want to start with a question. I'm a teacher, so I ask questions, and I like responses. I see Pete sitting there, and he thinks, yeah. So as we begin, I want to start with this question, and that is, as we think about the way that God is presented to us in Scripture and the different ways that he is portrayed and the images we're given of God, what images come to your mind when we think about God in Scripture? How is he portrayed to us? Shepherd. shepherd. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's loving. He's loving. Holy. Holy. He's a disciplinarian. Absolutely. He's a judge. Yes. As you think about different ones, which one do you think, which portrayal or image of God do you think is most common in Scripture? Shepherd is definitely quite common. What about Father? Did you know that in just the New Testament, in the Gospels alone, Jesus uses Father to refer to God more than 150 times? That's a lot. And in addition to that, Paul, in his letters, uses the word Father to refer to God more than 40 times. And that's not even including the other epistles where God continues to be referred to as Father. That is a very significant fact. Now, that's the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament. Looking to the Old Testament, do you know that God is only portrayed as Father somewhere around 10 to 15 times? 
That's a significant difference. And further, of those 10 to 15 times in the Old Testament that God is referred to as Father, three of those times occur in the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. It's the last revelation of God through a prophet before 400 years of silence. So I would say that three times out of 10 to 15 is actually a pretty significant percentage. And in addition to that, there are two other references in Malachi to fatherhood, the relationship between father and child. So in Malachi, something is happening. I believe that in Malachi, as the last revelation of God, God is preparing people to receive the idea of father and child that explodes in the New Testament. Now, before we go too far this morning, we need to stop and ask one question. And that is, if Father is used to refer to God that often in Scripture, then does that mean that everyone in the world is God's child? Can we say, oh, we're all God's children? I see some heads doing this. Not, not, not nodding, but shaking. But the truth is that no, we can't say because God is portrayed as Father so frequently in the Scriptures that that means He's everyone's Father. Is He everyone's Creator? Absolutely. Does He love everyone? Absolutely, without a doubt. But what does Scripture say? So let's take that Bible that you have. Let's look at the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke, John. And just go to chapter 1 of John. In chapter 1, John is referring to Jesus as the Word. He introduces Jesus to us as the Word. And if you look at... Let's just go to verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 12. Well, let's look at 11 first. From 11. He came to that which was his own, the earth that he had created and the people that he had created. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To be a child of God is not something we're entitled to. In our current culture and society of entitlement, where we feel that we deserve everything that comes our way and much, much more than what comes our way, that's not the way that God looks at us. God looks at us, and he doesn't... We're not entitled to be his children. It is a right that we are given by faith in Jesus Christ. And it's different from what we think of in a natural father-child relationship. So let's look at verse 13 says, we are children of God, the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. So if it were a natural kind of fatherhood and human descent, like a biological father, we know that if, if I am the father of a child biologically, there's nothing that can actually change that fact. 
It doesn't matter what kind of relationship I have with my child or the child with the father. They may not have a good relationship, but the biological fact is that's still my child. However, the relationship that we're looking at between God and his children is an adoptive relationship. In an adoptive relationship, the offer is made to adopt this child. God offers us adoption into his family. We can refuse that, or we can accept it. And so we're told very clearly here that it's only those who received him and believed in the name of Jesus who are his children. So right now, here on Father's Day, if you have never accepted adoption into God's family as his child through faith in Jesus Christ, what better day is there than Father's Day? What better way to honor God as Father than to accept the adoption that he offers through Jesus? Now, for those of us who have accepted that adoption, we're part of God's family. We're going to turn now to Malachi. So let's go back. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, so you can go to Matthew and then just go back one. And in Malachi, we're going to start with chapter 1. And Harriet did such a wonderful job this morning of reminding us about honoring our earthly father. How can we honor our father? What can we do, right? But just as we are commanded to honor our earthly parents, we're also commanded to honor our heavenly father. So let's look at Malachi 1, verse 6, and let's see what God has to say on this matter. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? Can you hear in this God's father heart breaking? If you call me your father, why don't you honor me like your father? And what's happening here in Malachi is this. In Malachi, this is when the Jew, Jewish people have come back out of captivity, out of exile. They've come back to their home. The temple has been rebuilt. The wall has been rebuilt, which we read about in Nehemiah. Everything looks good from the outside. Yes, we're a nation again. We're a people again. Everything is in place. But God says, if I'm your father, where is the honor that is due to me? What's going on here in this time? The Sabbath is not being kept. The tithe is not being brought in. People are marrying foreign women. Now, it's not that they're foreign. I love foreign women. My wife is a foreign woman. <laughs> but it's the fact that they are bringing with them their foreign gods, their false gods. And they are polluting the community of Israel. All of these things are taking place, but worse than any of these things is that worship in Israel has become a toilsome burden. It's not from the heart. It's just a burden. It's just a it's task that people do because that's what we do. And God is not honored by that. So, what we look at here in Malachi again, is this is the last word of God to his people for 400 years. 
This is an exclamation mark. It's, a, it's an extended pause for emphasis. A 400-year-long pause to help the people look and focus at this and to respond. Now, the very end of Malachi, only four chapters, so turn over a page or so. And Wayne has already read for us this morning from verses 5 and 6, chapter 4. And this is God's solution. This is God saying, you want to honor me? I'm going to open the door for that to happen. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the children to their fathers and the fathers to their children. No, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now, if you don't believe that this this verse here had power to the Jewish people, let me tell you that when Malachi is read, the Jewish people don't end with that word curse. They, don't, they didn't want that word ringing in their ears for 400 years. Can you imagine? Instead, they go back and they, they pick up the previous verse and read that again, just so that they don't feel so heavy when they end that passage. So there's impact here. And the impact is that there's going to be a reconciliation on the human level between father and child, but more than that, that there's going to be reconciliation vertically between our Heavenly Father and us as his children. And how is that going to come? It's going to come through the prophet Elijah. Well, hasn't the prophet Elijah already come and gone by this time? So, this is not a rhetorical question. Who is the Elijah that is being spoken of in Malachi? Who is this Elijah who is to come? Let's look together. Let's look together at Luke Chapter 1, in Luke chapter 1, this is where uh, Zechariah, the priest, has gone in to burn incense before the altar, and he sees a vision, and he is told by the angel Gabriel that he is going to have a son, even at his advanced age. And he's told not only that he will have a son, but he's told about the ministry this son will have. Let's look at verse 17. Luke 1, 17. And he, John, will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of who? Elijah. The power of spirit in Elijah. And what is he going to do? To turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So in Malachi, he says, I'm going to send Elijah. And when Elijah comes, he's going to restore those relationships between father and child, but also, especially, to make a people prepared for the Lord. So that Elijah is John the Baptist. And it's not only here that that's said. Jesus himself, in Matthew chapter 11, also tells his disciples, if you are willing to accept it, John is the Elijah who was to come. So we have Jesus' stamp of approval saying, yes, John the Baptist is Elijah. So now that means that we need to go back and see what John the Baptist said, right? To see what this Elijah says to us. 
So let's go just a couple of pages over to Luke 3. If you look at Luke chapter 3, this is where we've already been a little bit today. And I'm just going to skip ahead. We see, we see that John has come. He's preparing the way of the Lord. And let's move down to verse 7. Now remember here, there have been 400 years of silence. Elijah is to come. And Elijah has now come. And the people were waiting. What are the first words that they hear from Elijah? You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And they're saying, we waited 400 years for this? We waited 400 years to be called names and abused and insulted? John is angry with a righteous anger and righteous indignation because he looks at these people and he sees that they are not honoring God. But he goes on. And he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance is a change of heart. Repentance is a turning away from your sin and your selfishness and a turning to God and just opening yourself up to him and yielding to him and leaving behind those things that you know do not belong. He goes on. John It's like he's a mind reader. He knows these people, and he knows what they're thinking. So his next words, he says, he says, do not, let me find that again. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, And every tree that does not produce good fruit, that is, fruit that is in keeping with repentance, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So he reads their minds. He knows that their response when he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you? They're going to say, hey, 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 lay off. We have Abraham as our father. We're okay. We're good. Don't worry about us. You've, You've got us wrong. He says, no, I know exactly who you are. You have Abraham as your father. But what about God? Are you honoring God as your father? Now, what did it mean for the Jews at this time to say that they had Abraham as their father? Well, it meant meant that they were children of the promise, of the promises and the covenants and, and of all that came with being an Israelite, being a a Jew. They were, they were in because they were God's chosen people. John says, no. No. That's not it. He says, if God wanted to, he could take these stones lying here and make children for Abraham. Well, think about it. Children made from stones, what kind of hearts would they have? They'd have hearts of stone. They would have hearts of stone. And God is not asking for children who have hearts of stone. He's asking for children who have hearts of flesh. And that's what he tells us in Ezekiel. He says, I will give them an undivided heart, and I will take away their heart of stone 
and replace it with a heart of flesh. That's what God does. Now, this was John. What did Jesus have to say? And again, we've already looked at this, but let's look at it again. Let's turn over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 15. And here we have some of the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They've come to Jesus, and they're asking him, why is it that your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat? Now, they're not worried about their hygiene. It's not that the disciples had nasty, grubby hands. Maybe they did. I really don't know. But that was not the point. The point was that good Jews would do a ritual washing of their hands before they would eat food, And what was that? It was, in the words of the Pharisees themselves, the tradition of the elders. The tradition of the elders. So now, we've already seen John with righteous indignation and anger. Now it's time to see Jesus in the same light. Jesus, in chapter chapter 15, verse 3, says, And why do you break the command of God? For the sake of your tradition. For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me as a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father. So basically, they're giving them permission not to honor their father, to go against God's command. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, and listen to this carefully. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We're back to the heart issue. On the outside, they're saying and doing the right things. In fact, look at verse 9. They worship me, Are they worshiping? Yes. But they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. So on the outside, we're looking again, just like in Malachi. Everything on the outside looks good. They're worshiping. They're saying the right things. But their hearts are far from God. They in no way are honoring God. So as we look at this, We need to ask ourselves, are we honoring God? How do we honor God? Well, we're told pretty clearly here that that honor for God is not from what we do or our traditions or our Father's traditions, but it comes from a heart that is changed by God and by God alone. So right now, I have to ask myself, am I honoring my Heavenly Father? You know, when I was a kid, I still remember when my father would come home. I was a city boy, my dad worked in the office, he'd come home 5.30 or 6 at night, and I'd see the headlights in the window, or hear the car in the driveway, and that's an exciting time, because he brought with him Everything that defined for me 
home and father and parents and all those good things. That was exciting. I'd love to be with my dad. A lot of times on Saturdays, he would wake me up early and we would have to go and work on some rental property that he had. Uh, he had that rental property, it paid for our college educations. And a lot of times on Saturday, he'd wake me up and we'd go out and we'd have to do some dirty job in a rental property, crawling under the house to repair pipes or something like that. But I was okay. I was with my dad. And I was still good. Now, there were times when being with my dad may not have been the first thing I wanted. Those times when I knew I had said or done something that was not going to be very well received. My family is definitely not one to spare the rod and spoil the child, or spare the belt, as it was in my dad's case. And I knew, I knew that. So there were times where I felt that being in my father's presence wasn't exactly where I wanted to be. So how about us, with our Heavenly Father? Do you long for His presence? When it's time for me to sit down and pray or to read His Word, is that something I look forward to and I anticipate and I enter into it with, with just joy and saying, yeah, this is great. I get to be with my dad. I get to be with my Heavenly Father. Or is it just, yeah, well, it's time to read my devotional. Okay, done. Is it, oh, Sunday, let's go to church. Where is my heart? Where is my heart towards God? So this is a point at which we all have an opportunity to respond. In Jeremiah 24, 7, God says, I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with their whole heart. You notice here that this is the heart that God gives. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone away, and the new has come. The only way that our hearts can be transformed is through God and the work that he does in us through this Holy Spirit. So right now, I'm just going to invite all of us to respond. Some of us are going to be at a point where we say, you know, at the very first we said that I have to accept that adoption into God's family. Maybe Father's Day is the day for you to do that and actually be able to be a part of God's family and to honor him. What a great honor that would be for him. Or, maybe you know that there is a sin that has crept into your life that has come between you and the intimacy with your father. And that needs to be repented of. Absolutely, completely left behind. So that you can come and wholeheartedly to God's presence. Or maybe, and I hope this is the case, maybe this is just a time for you to say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for adopting me, for making you your child, for changing me. And just enjoy 
being a child in his father's presence. So I'm going to give us a couple of minutes. And we're reminded in Scripture, Psalm 95, in Hebrews, if today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. God does not want hard-hearted children. He wants children with hearts of flesh that submit and obey. So I'm just going to give us some time. You pray, you respond to God however you need to, and I'll close our time in a couple of minutes. Father in heaven, do with us as you will. Take our hearts of stone and change them to hearts of flesh. Father, may we never have hard hearts before you. May we be tender and open to what you would have us do. May we be good, obedient children who would honor you not just in what we say and what we do, but truly from our hearts, loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Father, today I also want to pray for those who are fatherless. Lord God, you tell us that you are a father to the fatherless. So Father, I pray for those who are distant or estranged from their fathers, here their earthly fathers, I pray for those who have never known a father truly in their lives. Father, I pray that they would find in you all that they need, totally sufficient as a father to the fatherless. In Jesus' name, amen.